Hey, what's going on? It's Josh Marion. It's Matt Framingham, and it is That Day Brown. Follow me on Twitter at That Day Brown. Um, I want to get into Red Sox quickly. You know, is it is it just a coasting period, or do you think the Chris Sale injury is legitimate? Dave, start us off. Yeah, I can't imagine a scenario in which the Red Sox would not would choose to put Chris Sale on the disabled list if he were 100%. Now, if they were in a pennant race, if if you know if they were only up a, a game, might this make a difference? Might they be asking him to pitch through something? Perhaps. You know, I'm not that close to the situation. I don't have direct information on on Chris Sale's injury, but yeah, I, I can't. You don't you don't just um, put players in a deep freeze when you're trying to compete. You want guys to you know to to still be trying to win every day. Especially your ace. Go ahead, Matt. Well, I I think I think I I believe it's totally coasting period because all you had to do was I didn't watch much of the game today, but all you had to do was just watch. Uh, what the Red Sox did today, and it just totally shows you they won the first two games of the series, and then they just decided to take an off day as far as offensively goes. But as far as the Chris Sale uh, DL sick goes, I think it's legit that there's something wrong in the shoulder. Now, how much of an issue is, I mean, that's that's anyone's guess because, you know, I mean, we we frankly don't know what's going on. But I will tell you this. Uh, I think it is a legit concern because now, am I panicked? No, because I think that the Red Sox are going to be smart, at least we hope to this time, to at least make sure that they cross the T's and dot the I's. But, um, I mean, look, the Red Sox have had a, a, a fantastic season, and they have certainly, you know, at least impressed me to the point. But when it comes to injuries, I mean, just go through their history, and I don't need to explain any more about how much trouble they've gotten into because of it. So, Dave, um, what, what do you think about who's the biggest threat going think, forward in the I American think, League? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt. Can you explain the thing you just said that you didn't need to explain? Well, I, I okay, I'll make it as simple, Dave, as it gets. I What I'm referring to is, in the playoffs last year, they ruled that Eduardo Nunez was ready to go in the postseason, and all of a sudden, uh, he can't even get out of the batter's box and crumbles halfway down the first heading to first because of a knee injury that he suffered earlier in the season after they ruled he was able to play, and then they carry him off the field. So that's what I'm referring to, and if you even want to go into further details, you know, they activated Dustin Pedroia earlier this year, thinking he was ready to go. And then a few days later, he's back on the DL, and we haven't heard from him since. So, I mean, listen, that's just the way I feel about it. I mean, I don't know so what your opinion is, but that's just how I feel. So your concern is that if they try to bring Sale back too early, they could make a mistake. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, um, Dave. Right. And so, well, here's the question then. Um, 
what, how much risk would you take with Sale if it's a matter of having him for the playoffs or not having him for the playoffs? I just think you have to make sure that you are 100% accurate that your medical files tell you that, hey, his shoulder is fine. And if you have to get second and third opinions from other physicians just to be proven right, then do it. I mean, so, you got do you the think that care up here. I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Do you think that Kurt Schilling's ankle was 100% in 2004? Oh, hell no. But that was a different situation. What was different about it? Well, what was different about it, Dave, was it was the playoffs. Right. That, that's what I'm saying with Sale. So, so you would be okay with if, – if they have to take some risk with Sale, you'd be okay with doing it in the playoffs. Yes. Okay. All right. Now I get your point. Okay. All right. I get your point now. I was confused. Right. That's what I'm saying is that, you know, there there's some – risk that these teams have to take when the season's on the line. I'm sure you can agree with that. Okay. All right. See, I was, I, I was, I should have been more specific and I wasn't. Yeah. And I think the Pedroia a example is a good a one. Championship. A championship's on the line. It's world series or bust out here. Right. Right. But I, I should have explained it. I mean, Dave actually brought up a good point when he mentioned Kurt Schilling because that's obviously the, uh, you know, that that's exhibit A. I just, what I meant was don't bring it back too early in the regular season. So I should have said regular season. I mean, all three of us can agree that the Red Sox are not trustable when it comes to injury situations. Well, I don't know if I can agree with that. I think. I, I think certainly Matt brought up some good examples of guys who were not 100%. Uh, the feeling on Pedroia seemed to be that he was 100%, and that was not the case. But uh, I, I don't know that that necessarily means that they aren't trustworthy. I think when you're talking about injuries, there's always an element of the unknown that you, you just you just can't be – you can only be um, certain up to a point, and then the mysteries of the human body sort of come into play. Right. Well, well. Here's the thing, Dave. And again, I, I think it. I think you make are making good points as well as you know on that front. I just think that the problem is because I'm from the uh, cynical crowd, and Lord knows there's plenty of those around here. Um, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's hard for me to just you know take someone's word as gospel. That's just the way. That's just how I feel half the time. Right, but I mean, do we agree that they're trying to do the best job that they can? That they're not. I think they are. Yeah, I I think they are, Dave. I just think that the thing I'm concerned with is, I just don't think Sale is built like a guy that can hold up for an entire season. I mean, he's not exactly. I mean, the thing is with Schilling was he was big. I mean, Chris Sale is just tall. Okay, I I feel like Chris Sale has pitched a good number of innings, and and I'm just checking. Yeah, but valid point. I, I mean, he's he's pitched over 200 innings four times in the last six seasons. Yeah, but with 174 innings, in, season, Dave. 
he, he wears down every single season. At the end of the season, the, the White Sox tried to manage him in 2016, and they and they couldn't do it. Cora tried doing it this season. He couldn't do it. I think he's ultimately a player that's going to need... Well, I, don't, I don't think he's manageable. Go ahead. Well, he had an injury this year. Um, that doesn't necessarily relate to the the previous seasons, but I mean, he held up physically through those seasons. I'm going to have to to check his um, his numbers on his. Well, I, I I think well well you're right, Dave. He he didn't have an injury last year. It was just he didn't. What happened was he struggled in the second half. There was no injury. I think there is one here. Barreled, we we can all agree that there was that that there is an injury this season, but that that the Red Sox didn't manage him in 2017, and the White Sox did manage him in 2016, and that didn't work out. I mean, I mean we can smoothly transition to the Patriots right here. I want Dave's thoughts on just you know the defense overall. You know, that's obviously, I think that's the most, well, some people say it's the wide receiver depth. What is the most pressing issue on your mind, Dave, for the Patriots? I, I don't think, I'm not worried about wide receiver depth, for one thing. I think there's a misconception about this team that um, that they're understaffed at wide receiver. I don't think that's the case. I think what they've done is they put together a group, okay, that functions something like a Swiss Army knife, that a lot like they do with the running back. Okay, we're going to put guys on the field that will create mismatches and exploit the weaknesses in the other defense, which is very typical Patriots, okay? And it's just that other than Edelman, there aren't many names, okay? But you look what they did in 2006. They won a lot of games. Uh, they really they, they did it kind of with duct tape and glue. But they, their number one receiver that year was Rishay Caldwell. Caldwell came into the year with a career high of 352 yards. Now you look at a team where Philip Dorsett is probably like your third or fourth guy, and you can even knock him down on the depth chart if you if you throw Gronk in there because Gronk's probably going to have more yards. Dorsett has has a career high of over 500, and and I don't even know that he only had like 18 targets last year. I don't know that he's really even shown us the the heights of his potential. So I don't think they have a problem with wide receiver depth. Um. Well, I just wanted to address that, and I'm sorry. What was your What was the rest of your question? Um, the defense. Um, what's your takeaway on the linebackers and like the cornerbacks? Obviously, defense relies on cornerbacks. So, sure. I think um, why don't we start up front? And I'll say I think they made some really nice additions. Uh, it's it's tough, of course, to judge. I think we can all agree it's tough to judge the preseason. No one is game planning, but um, but from the few things that you can take away are these matchups where you have uh, you know an end playing against a tackle and and sort of observing what they do. And Adrian Claiborne, that guy just seems to have a ton of moves. He's not you know like a, a he's not a top end edge rusher. He's not going to get 17 sacks, but the guy is creating a lot of problems for opposing quarterbacks because he's getting in the backfield early, and he's, he's a kind of edge rusher they haven't had in a while, so I think that was a really nice move for them. 
I also think one of the biggest problems last year, and, and if I'm going to go and point to a problem they had in the Super Bowl, I think it was that they missed on Allen Branch. They brought him back probably one year too long. What they did this year was they went and they got younger. They got Danny Shelton, a guy who uh, was probably a little misused in Cleveland, but a number 12 overall pick. Didn't really, show, didn't really show the Browns what they were looking for. Now he's in Foxborough, and I think he is giving the Patriots what they need. Okay? He's filling that branch role and, and plugging up the middle. I think that's big for them. Moving on Dave, back. Dave, let me ask you what. I'm sorry, finish yeah. your thought. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, no, go ahead. You may as well jump in now because I was going to talk about the quarterback. So go ahead. Why what about the young question? linebacker? That's what I want to know about. The, the young Juwan linebacker Bentley. who's tearing it up. Joan Bentley, right? Yes. So, yeah, like Bentley has, has done a pretty good job. And one of the fears with Bentley was that he didn't really have the, the athleticism to be productive in coverage. So far, he has shown us that that might not be the case, that, that he has actually played much faster than people thought he would. We will see when teams start game planning how much that holds up. But the thing about Bentley, and, and this is what Belichick said the other day, he was a four-year starter at a Big Ten school. So you're talking about good competition in the games he played. Uh, seems to be picking it up, seems to be everywhere they need him to be. It, it's been really promising so far. And we'll see how it goes. So, Dave, I had a question. Don't you think it's kind of sad that he's going to most likely beat out a Landon Roberts or whoever linebacker that we have for for that starting linebacker job? Do I think it's sad? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess I guess we should have better guys at that position already. Like that, that's one of the weakest positions. Besides well, wide receiver that we have for the Patriots. So let's so let's say that you think that they're weak at that position. If it turns out that he's an improvement, I'm not sure what you would be sad about there. I'm 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 just sad that they haven't drafted better or picked better guys at that position thus far. Go ahead, Matt. Mm-hmm. Alright, so Dave, I, I have I hate to kind of uh be blunt with this question, but I'll ask you this. Uh, Let's do, it. do you think Tony Michelle sees the field week one against Houston? Yeah, I, I, you know, the information that we have right now is that Michelle should be healthy uh, or ready to go by that point. Barring a setback, I, I don't, you know, Jeff Howe has really reported on this, and, and he has said that, that Michelle is expected to be ready to go. So barring a setback, I don't see why not. The only thing that might hold them back is that they have a good number of running backs right now, and um, perhaps the coaches will want to see a little bit more out of him. I think, look, their best running back last year was Deion Lewis. Lewis didn't really play much the first month. So there might be a situation where Michelle might have to earn some confidence from the coaches, show some things in practice before he really starts to be integrated into the offense to a high degree. So one other question for me, and uh, this, this is just overall uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Do you think Eric Decker makes the roster? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's tough. Um, he hasn't. He hasn't really. He's dropped some balls, which doesn't help in practice. Okay, 
And you're talking about a guy who's, uh, I think he's 30 and hasn't had a good year in a couple of years. You know, from what we've seen in practice, he, he may not be there yet, but um, we'll have to see. Let's see how these next couple preseason games go. Um, I, one thing I realized, if, if you read everybody's projected 53-man roster, nobody does anything. Like, we know some things, but we, we, there are things we miss, okay? And we don't know what's going on in Bill's head. We don't know what's going on in Josh McDaniel's head. And there are, there are always surprises. I'd be a little surprised if he made the roster right now, but I don't know about Kenny Britt's health, right? I don't know if somebody else is going to get hurt. Let's see how things play out, but I do think that um, I, I don't have high confidence about Decker making it. Let's put it that way. Well, I'll totally agree with you on the uh, 53-man roster comment. If there's one head coach that we can't figure out who makes the team or not, it's Belichick, and it's not even close. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Dave, um, but getting back to the Red Sox, like, who sure. do you want – who do you want starting in your infield and outfield, like right-handed pitchers or left-handed pitchers? Like we were saying, we were saying yesterday, we want Moreland, Kinsler, Bogarts, probably Nunez. Right now, unless Devers comes back, because I think that I think Devers' bat in the in the playoffs is undeniable that we need that bat in the lineup. But then Benintendi in left, Bradley in center. Bats and right, and then obviously versus left-handed bats, you'd put Steve Pearson at first base instead of Moreland. What do you think about that, Dave? So okay, okay. Wait a minute. You want to put in? You want to start Devers because he played well in the postseason last year. Not just last year, but I think his, his bad. He has pop in his bad, Dave. Like it's undeniable. Okay, and you he's want terrible in the field this season. That's that's no debate. He's absolutely terrible. Right. He, he... And that's important because the runs count either way. If you if you're giving up the runs, if you, if you're losing runs from from your defense, um, the, those runs go on the scoreboard too, even if the guy can hit. Um, can you give me your outfield again? I want Ben Benintendi in left. I want Bradley in center. And I want Betts in right. Okay, you both agree on Bradley? Matt? Um, well, first of all, uh, I got to take Dave's side on this one. I mean, I mean that's like saying that Devers is, uh, you know, a gold glove third baseman and he's not. I mean, I mean, I, I don't see your logic, Josh, with what you're saying. That's absolutely not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that his bat is going to be more valuable than a Nunez bat because he's left-handed and he can just launch it when he when he wants to. I mean, he he's hitting bad right now. Everybody's down on him right now. There's no debate about that. But all right, well, let me let me counter with this question then. Okay. Let's assume that we're in a playoff game and it's a one-run lead for the Red Sox. I don't know, Matt Barnes takes the mound and faces Houston. Do you have confidence okay. that Barnes can recover if Devers throws an error into the uh, stands? 
Well, I mean, I'm I'm in in late innings. You want to sub Nunez in, like like I've like I've said off the air. You you want to have Devers hit like three at bats unless he gets a walk because the walks don't. I mean, if a if he gets a walk, that's that's on base. So you know, walks walks don't wouldn't count in that debate. But if he if he's not hitting well in the late innings, sub Nunez in. Well, Dave? I'll respectfully disagree. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, so you know, I, I think I think you really need to respect the defense there, and this team can obviously hit. You know, these little things, given the mistakes, right? The errors and. Um, Base running mistakes, things of that nature, yep. they are just death in the postseason because you're playing good teams, and good teams will own your mistakes every time. So, you know, if you're, if you're going to get better defense out of Nunez, I, I think that's something you really got to consider. And, um, you know, he certainly is a capable hitter. Um, but, I, you know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised to hear you guys. It's, uh, Matt, I didn't get your opinion on, on Bradley and Center, but it sounds like you're both for Bradley and Center. Well, i, I got to be honest with you. I'm not thrilled about it, Dave, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. So what's your what's your issue with Bradley? My issue with Bradley is is that he's batting 210 or whatever it is, 220. Right. Well, you know, I'm not much of a – I don't put too much stock in batting average. I think – and there's two sides to this. First of all, I, I don't uh, – as, as far as statistics go, I think batting average tells an incomplete story. It doesn't necessarily tell me how much punch a guy has, how much um, how much is walking, these kinds of things. The other, the other side of it is this, is that if you look at the wins above replacement for, for Jackie Bradley Jr., okay, his value is tilted – quite heavily toward defense. And that's huge, especially that position. And again, in the postseason, where you're trying to prevent runs. And as I said earlier, this team can hit. It has offense. Sometimes you need a guy like Bradley, who is just a solid starter. And I think if you look at uh, like the '98 Yankees, okay, one of the one of the greatest teams that they won a ton of games. They went on to win the championship. Even they hold on, is that the greatest team of all time, Dave? I don't know. Well, you know what? I'd say I'd say all our lifetimes. It's probably the team with the most wins to win the World Series, right? And hold on, in our lifetime, when were you born? Well, '79. Okay, that's a fair age. I mean, there's plenty of great teams that have played since then. So yeah. you think the 98 Yankees are the best team that's played in that era since, since well, forever? Well, you, you can sit and pick this team or that team. I'm just saying that in, the modern, in modern baseball, right, the 98 Yankees, uh, I think it was, what, 114 wins or was it 111 or whatever it was. A couple years later, Seattle set the new record. But that Seattle team didn't win the, didn't win the World Series. So – 
I think that Yankees team is a good one to look at because you say, here's a team that actually won the championship and had a, a regular season that's quite similar to when the Red Sox are having. The Yankees had a Red Sox team better than that. Uh, I don't know. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can throw around here. They're, they're both great teams. They're both in that category. Um, you know, we'll see. And, and like, let's see what this what these Red Sox do. Let's see if they win the championship, and then we sit and spend the whole offseason having this debate. But, but 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 the Yankees in '98, as good as they were, they had to have a Chad Curtis, okay, a guy who was just a solid player. He had two and a half wins above replacement. I think Bradley's going to be a little above that. He's going to be close to three. Um. But you have to appreciate on some level a guy who just does one thing pretty well for your team. I think that's what he does with defense. And so I wouldn't um, I wouldn't take that for granted. I, I'm actually with you on that one, Dave, because, you know, defense is valuable in the postseason because you're not going to hit. I mean, you're not facing the Baltimore Orioles. You're playing the, the best of the best at that point. So, right. I mean, I'll I'll let you have that one. So, um, I want to ask you in the remaining time that we have left on this podcast an NFL question in general, and that is, I, I think that this is going to be something that needs to be addressed by the league very soon, and that's the new NFL helmet rule. Um, if this isn't fixed, if this isn't corrected, how ugly can this get? Yes, it's tough to say, and, you know, it's really interesting because the NFL, people were complaining so much about the catch rule. They changed the catch rule to to stop the complaining, and then they put in this helmet rule, and everybody's upset about that now. I think one thing that the NFL has done a bad job of communicating is something that the officials told us, told, told the reporters a few weeks ago. So the officials came to Foxborough, and they show you a video explaining the new rules, and then Brad Allen, who's the referee, spoke with the media a bit. And what he said was, the plan in the preseason is to call these rules as strictly as possible. And the reason they want to do that is because they want to see it on tape. They want to determine what that looks like and maybe where they can make changes. And so I feel like we need to see what it's going to be like in the regular season after they've had a chance to consider how it's playing out in the preseason and uh, what they do to make adjustments because people are not happy with it right now. It does seem, especially on the, the Jordan Richards tackle we saw in the last preseason game, it, it, it seems like they're calling it a little tight. I'm very curious about the adjustments they'll make, and maybe people will be a little less upset when the um, – what they call it in the regular season. We'll see. And hopefully, you know, the NFL usually doesn't make adjustments that make people happy. Maybe this time they will. Well, let me ask you as a follow-up question real quick. Uh, you mentioned your discussion with the referee, Brad Allen, the other day. Yeah. When you got a chance to talk to him, did he sound like he was frustrated with the way that this was just thrown at the feet of the referees and they're just kind of no. going by what is basically a judgment call? It's a good question, and I'll tell you what, Brad Allen was very impressive. Uh, a lot of these referees, I don't know his, his history, I should look it up, but 
a lot of these referees have been attorneys. Some of them still are attorneys. They're guys who, um, you know, have thought these things through carefully. And Brad came in with assurances to us that while, although these things did come in during the off season and some of that, especially the kickoff rules came in very late, that they had been working very hard to get up to speed on them. They'd done a lot of work on it. And I, I asked them, you know, some very integral questions about language in these rules and, and sort of, okay, you have to make a judgment call in this situation. And then, you know, the catch rule is very confusing. What happens, you know, I asked them, what happens if um, the ball, when well, the ball ends on the turf, it could be a fumble. You might rule incomplete pass on the field, but then it could be overturned. I mean, you're going to hold your whistle and, and see if somebody picks it up because because if you don't, you deny the defense a chance to recover. Um, and so this is one of those things that they, they could be strange, and it, it, we don't know how that's going to play out. So I didn't get the sense he was frustrated. He took a lot of questions. He handled them with a lot of class and a lot of grace. Uh, but I do know that they were working hard to know these rules inside and out. And like I said, the game plan for the referees was they've been directed to call them as strictly as possible. We'll see if that carries over into the regular season. All righty. Well, Dave, thank, thank you very point. much for joining us. Yeah, I think this is a great point to lay it off here. Um, Dave, we'd love to have you on in the future. Thanks for joining us tonight. We appreciate it, man. Dave, thanks right, well, for the spirited conversation. Greatly appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All Have right, a good night. Take care, all right? All right, you too. Take care. Well, that was better than I thought. Yeah, we're out of here. All right, Josh. Yeah. I will. I got to get some shut-eyes, 6 a.m. wake-up call, so you have a good night. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. You too, man. Bye.